0: Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 21. Again that's Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 21. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Hear now the word of the Lord. And in the same reason, region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Merry Christmas. Um, Usually, people respond back by saying Merry Christmas too." my neighbor said Merry Christmas back this is interesting okay Um, let's try it again Merry Christmas everybody let's take a let's take the next few seconds and let's wish Merry Christmas to the people next to us around us in front of us and behind us at this time My neighbor um, was walking his dog, and he wished me a Merry Christmas, and I was with Ben Jack, a friend of ours, a missionary friend from ours from uh, England, I said, Merry Christmas back, and then Ben Jack took it uh, the next step further. He goes, bless you, man, and then uh, my neighbor didn't know what to do, he's like, oh, uh, thanks. So Merry Christmas is almost like a greeting, but then when you go on and say, oh, you know what Merry Christmas means. It's, it's an incredible blessing that we've received. So when we say Merry Christmas, we're actually really saying, God blessed us. So uh, my neighbor just walked away. He's like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's, let's start with a prayer. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. So make us hungry for this heavenly food that it may nourish us today in ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, amen, amen. Uh, Today's title uh, of the message is called Wonder. Wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And I am not here, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not here to uh, dazzle you or give you that wonder. I'm here to proclaim the wonder that is already given to us in Jesus Christ through Christmas. And so when we look at this whole passage, there's a ton of paradoxes. And I know that we have a lot of people back from college. Um, there's some really good paradoxes that we, I think, learn in class. I don't know, if you, if you like business, there's the Giffen paradox. You guys, I'm sure you're all familiar with it. But just in case you're not, I'll give, it, I'll give you a quick example. If I'm a poor college student and I go to Paris, And I want a baguette, and it costs one euro. You're going to scrounge up because the baguettes taste so good, because the butter and all that stuff, whatever it is, right? And so I take out my euro, and I uh, pay for the baguette. And hopefully I will pray before I eat it, but I'll pay for the baguette, and I'll eat it. And then I'm going to wish that I had two euros um, so that I could get two baguettes next time. And so... Supply and demand and income and all this relationship would teach us that as your income would go up, the demand would also go up. So if I got two euros, what would I get next time? Two baguettes, yes. If I got three euros, what would I get? Three baguettes, maybe, I don't know. But if I had a hundred euros, I would not buy a baguette. I'd go get some escargot. That's exactly what the Giffen paradox is. It's something that you would think would happen, it's like, oh, so if I get one euro, I'll get one baguette, two euros, two baguettes, three euros, and it's like, you know what, I don't want a baguette anymore, I want to try this snail thing that everybody likes, and that they have a different name for. And so, that's the Giffen paradox. There's also the liar's paradox that we can, I can ask you, right, let's see, I'll, I'll ask Peter. Is the answer to this question, no, yes or no? <laughs> that, that's actually the best answer I've heard so far on that question. So the 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 liar's paradox is: is the answer to this question no? And if you go, so it makes you pull back a little bit. Like, wait, what? Right? Exactly. And so if you say no, that means the answer to the question was wrong. But it is yes. So you just contradict yourself. You say yes, but then it's not no because you've asked the no question. So that's the liar's paradox. Um, In the very least, what paradoxes do for us is it should make us take a step back. And it should be, oh, I thought this was going to happen, but it didn't. So let's take a step back. And there's a ton in the passage that we read today. There's a ton. I was counting in. I was wondering, "Mm, maybe someone else would be like the nerd, and start counting paradoxes. But ultimately, what is going on is when you see these things, it's supposed to make us take a step back. Christmas is supposed to make us step back and not automatically assume we know everything. Christmas, so red, green, wreath, tree, lights, sweater, ugly, that kind of thing. It's not, you don't automatically assume these things, but it's supposed to make us take a step back. So I hope that we can do that. Uh, There's a ton of paradoxes here, like when fear turns to joy and the shepherds are like, let's go, and and then to find a baby. So those, Those are like interesting paradoxes that we see. So we'll start off from the beginning. And what was read today was in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. We want to know who these shepherds are. Why were they out in the field? Who are these shepherds? And there are two big characters here, the shepherds and the angels And the shepherds back in the time were um, not maybe what you would expect, or maybe you did the study and you know, or you've heard this before, but they were known to have had the habit of confusing thine with mine. That's what scholars would say. After reading the Talmud or the Mishpat, right? Jewish rabbinical law books, right? Uh, they they would, we would see that the shepherds back in the day would have the habit of confusing thine with mine. And uh, I couldn't really translate it to modern English, yours with s'mores. I don't know, but I couldn't. But it's like what's yours is also mine. So you, you can kind of start imagining what kind of people these shepherds were. It does remind me, when I was doing the study, it reminded me a lot of my, what my wife would say to me too. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. And there's another word for people with that kind of thinking. It's called uh, thief or robber. And so, no, I'm just saying that's what it is. I'm giving you the definition. And so shepherds had a bad reputation because uh, of their jobs. They couldn't keep ceremonial laws. That means they were always out and about. Um, If you were shepherding during that time, that meant like, People were, or in that area in Bethlehem, people were coming to do uh, ceremonial sacrifices or things like that. So that's why they were close. Um, if you look at uh, Mishnah or the Talmud, um, they would say any sheep around that area is for sacrifice. So that means they were in that area shepherding, so something must have been going on. Maybe Passover, like we were celebrating now, could be. But these shepherds would be so... Terrible with the mind and dying thing that no one liked them. They would go around just taking stuff And if you're a lone like traveler just down this let's say, you know, I'm a pilgrim I want to do this sacrifice, but you're walking alone and I, you know, I need to get sheep They might actually rob you and not even give you sheep and so the people did not like them they were so lowly in stature uh, that in a court of law you couldn't accept their testimony so they couldn't even be a proper witness so now knowing all this this should be like whoa this should take us a step back because this is the occupation that Jesus claims what does he say he is I am the good shepherd everybody goes oh Jesus is a teacher Jesus is a teacher but he actually never calls himself teacher the closest thing that he did to call himself teacher was in John 13 when he goes oh you call me rabbi and that is true and then he turns and says therefore wash other people's feet just as I've washed your feet so he uses that to teach people but he never actually calls himself teacher what does he call himself he calls himself the good shepherd so it's to this group of people people that are very like low low in stature in social class in just respect you get no respect if you're um, a shepherd, but it's to this group first that God sends his angel. And when God sends his angel, it says, The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the shone, that verb is perilampo, which is why, where we get lamp, and also torch. Um, when you use your imaginations and you would think, oh, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear, it doesn't quite make sense to many of us. But if you go back to the word study, lamp or torch is fire. So if a great big fire, the glory of the Lord shone like a great big fire around them, you would also be filled with great fear. Now, I would think, maybe imagine this, From both sides of this room, two people came with flamethrowers and just started blazing it up. Uh, You would be filled with great fear. And this is exactly what I think the the shepherds noticed. You would think you would die and you start going crazy. Oh no, I'm going to die. And then that's why the angel starts with fear not and then gives them this incredible message. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. First, the angel goes, fear not. And then secondly, the angel goes, behold. Behold means pay attention, look. Um, It's a great way of saying something so that people are expecting something different. So you wouldn't say, the sky is blue. Behold, the sky is blue. You would say something like, Behold, the sky is green. And in that sense, it would be like something that you wouldn't expect. So you want to say behold, so you don't have to say it again. So if I go, the sky is green, someone might be like, what? The sky is green. It's like, what? The sky is, so instead of doing that, they would go, behold. Behold, there's great good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in Bethlehem. Christ of the Lord is born. So what's so special about this particular message? Back when people were waiting for the Messiah or the anointed one, people thought and they knew that it would be of God or from God, from God. And they did not expect this line, Christ the Lord, not Christ from God, but the Messiah God. And so that's what would pull you back. Wait, I thought God was going to save a savior. Yes, God is going to save, send a savior, and it's God. And so that would pull people back. Christ the Lord, would, you could think of it as Messiah Yahweh, um, describes this child that is born in the highest possible terms. So now we're going to put these two together. The news is, this incredible news that's being given, is from a high being from heaven, to the lowliest kind of people on earth. But not only that, the lowliest people on earth are now introduced to the highest being that's ever existed. And so after this news is given, we see in verse 13, and suddenly there was the angel with a great multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased this word heavenly host is translated from a word that also means army. And so you can imagine, angel gives them the good news and then suddenly what, uh, what appears after the news is a multitude, that means a vast like crazy amount of heavenly host or the army of God praising God And this is what this army of God is saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among with whom he is pleased. So this is the paradox here too. There is an army that announces peace. And this army praises God for both glory in heaven and peace on earth. This is something that we must understand. If you want peace on earth, God's glory is preliminary. God's glory is preliminary to peace on earth and so he, they end this message with with whom he is pleased is showing us now there's an emphasis that we're here to get now the emphasis is on who God chooses not on us choosing God It says God chose us God chose us to have this peace the emphasis and focus is on God That's what the heavenly host is saying. What is this peace? It's a peace between God and people and the proclamation is a healing from all the evil that took place and will finally be done. This healing is from all this human evil and it will start to take place. Um, I'm gonna take a quick break here from the exegesis and share this with you. We know that this primarily, what Jesus did, is in the form of forgiveness. Um, Forgiveness is a Christian ideal. And then we may have heard this famous saying, to err is human and forgiveness divine. To err is human, forgiveness divine. And we have now taken that to say, I can make a mistake, it's fine. But forgiving, it's God's work, so that has nothing to do with me. And we have taken that now to even a more bastardized version of, I get to define my own meaning. You get to define your own meaning of life. You got to be true to yourself, no matter who or what. You do you, bro. And so this is the kind of thinking that we are now inundated with. Um, I, I mentioned this in a, uh, a Saturday morning prayer and this is where one, one blog post I was reading said, Ariana Grande dropped this truth. I apologize if you're an Ariana Grande uh, fan. Nothing against her. I'm just saying this is actually what she tweeted. So this is what she said, everything I feel is valid and safe Everything I do is genuine and honest, there is no right and wrong during this period. So what is that kind of pointing to? It's pointing to, I get to define who I am. So if I feel a certain way, it's got to be true. Got to be true to yourself, you do you, and things of that nature. Um, This is actually opposite of what Jesus is doing. This is the opposite of what Jesus is doing. So if I continue to think this way, I got to be true to myself, no matter who or what, it doesn't matter who says what, if I feel this is, and we can use Christianese if we want, if I feel this is my call, then no one can tell me otherwise. Uh, <clears throat> this is, by definition, the difference between us and what Christian, the Christian ideal is. Because, by definition, forgiveness is self-sacrifice. Forgiveness is That Jesus came to do is self-sacrifice. Forgiveness means I need to give up power. I need to give up wealth. I need to give up myself. And the deeper the sin and deeper the wound, the deeper and greater the sacrifice that needs to be made. And that's why Jesus came to this world. The healing that we need between us and God is a great chasm. An infinite chasm. And Jesus came to fill that chasm so we could be with God. And so he didn't say, I got to be true to me. He would give up himself for us. And that's what Christmas is. A giving up of his glory. Taking off his royal robes. And coming down as a baby. Now think about this. There's an army. So there's an army out there and they're singing this or saying this. I'm not sure what. I would love it if. I'd go back, and if, if we could rewind time, if, imagine they sang it, and it was like five-part harmony, I don't know, whatever it is, and they would sing it, but this army would present their champion. That's, what, that's the picture I see, this army presenting a champion, and this is what we can see in like movies still today, if you saw Troy uh, with Brad Pitt, <clears throat> I'm a big fan, uh, but if you saw Troy with Brad Pitt, he, in the beginning, he would fight, he was Achilles, and he would fight, uh, Boagrius right and then you know that big guy would throw like two spears and he would block one and dodge the other and he would do this euro step and instead of dunking he would just okay anyway but he then he would but then he would be the champion of that Greek army saying this person represents us if this person wins we win that's the champion or you know we could have watched another war movie, um, 300, and it's 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 uh, it's recounting the battle of Thermopylae, and um, it's about you know a few thousand Greeks that are fighting against the the Persians, and 300 were Spartans, and then there was the like 700 or so Thespians and some other Greeks that were with them, but you would see this is small verse, great. The champions would uh, represent them. And I don't know if you did, did the little history when Xerxes, the Persian emperor, found uh, Leonidas' body. This is real life, not movie. Uh, when Xerxes found Leonidas' body, he was so enraged. He had them cut off his head and then hang his body on the cross because he hated Leonidas so much. Um, anyway, uh, but then we go back to even biblical times where David would be the champion for Israel, and he would fight Goliath. And so there's this army, and we're going to present the champion. Dun, 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 and there's a song, Glory to God, and then here's the champion. What's the sign? A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger. A baby swaddled. You know, you swaddle. we still swaddle babies when they're born because of SIDS, um, sudden infant death syndrome, right? Or cold, or a baby would scratch, like, scratch themselves, or a baby's helpless and feels like, oh, you need to be. So you swaddle. That's like a newborn helpless baby, and literally saying swaddling cloths here in the word. And a manger. What's a manger? A manger is an animal feeding trough. It's like a square box that you would put, and then you would put animal feed in there. So they would have to clear it out and then put Jesus in. This manger did not make it to the top 10 crib mattresses for 2018 babies, it didn't. It wasn't the most comfortable thing. In fact, it was a lowly and incredibly humble thing that we see here. The champion that would give God glory and bring peace on earth came to us in the most humblest form. And why so when the angels went away, the shepherds said to each other, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then they went with haste. So when they said it, the, the nuance is a little bit lost, but you could kinda hear it depending on how you say it. So let's go, let's go, we gotta find this. This is, this is incredible. Like the heavenly host will come and proclaim this, and it's a baby, so the shepherds are running. And you can imagine this. At first, they were shaking in fear because they thought they were going to die because the glory of God was around them. And then when they hear this good news, they run with haste because this is really incredible news. And because of where Jesus was born, and you may remember this in past Christmas stories or if you read Luke before, there was no room at the inn, there was no lodging for them. Because of where Jesus was born, they didn't have to worry about palace guards. They didn't have to worry about security. They didn't have to worry about people that might block them from entering. Because of where Jesus was born, they would have access. The lowliest of society had access to the anointed Lord, the Christ God, the Messiah Yahweh. The lowest had free access to God. The Christmas story is incredible because it's a story about whoever you are here in this place. You now, because of Jesus Christ, you have access to God. That's what's incredible. I don't even have access to the president. Let alone the creator of the entire universe I have access to. So what now? How are we to respond if we recognize this? In verse 17, it says, When they they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Wonder, meaning they were at awe. So number one, it's wonder. How do we respond? We respond with wonder. All who heard it marveled. At what was said, it made us take a step back. Behold. So what is so special about Christmas and the season? It means we are also to take a step back because the angel is saying, behold. Stop and know that there is something incredibly important about this particular event in history. But we continue on. Verse 19. But Mary. But Mary. Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in our heart we don't just stop with wonder we don't just stop with awe you know when you leave here you don't stop it's like that was pretty good that was pretty good i i really like this i like i like this about this and this about this in the service whatever it was we don't just stop with wonder there is a treasuring and then there is a pondering to treasure means to protect and guard To ponder means to think deeply about what this means. It also means to wrestle. The same word to ponder and to treasure was used of Jacob in the Septuagint. When Jacob would hear about Joseph's dreams. When Joseph goes, oh I had this dream. And Jacob would treasure and ponder these things in his heart. And so it's to protect and to guard. And to think deeply about what this means. To even wrestle with it. What does it mean now that the God, creator of the universe, has come to us, giving us access to him? Don't just go, wow, that's that's pretty amazing, and then walk away. But protect it and guard it, the thing that you have been given, and ponder. Not only that, if you continue to read in verse 20, it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told, them. There is a glorification and a praising that takes place. Christmas joy was a result of what they had been told. Christmas joy was a result of what they had been told. So joy, this joy leads to glorifying and praising God. And what led to joy? The word. The word, the message led to joy. Joy led to worship. The word led to joy and joy led to worship all of this is to show us that God used the shepherds as the first Christmas witnesses why no one cared about what the shepherds had to say their testimony didn't count are you hearing this no one cared what the shepherds had to say it didn't matter if they posted on any social media outlet no one cared they put them on mute all right No one cared, their testimony didn't count, but so powerful was this good news that it didn't matter who they were because of the quality of the message. So powerful was this good news that it didn't matter who they were because of the quality of the message. D.A. Carson says this, it's not the witnesses who invoke the word, but the word that calls, creates, and empowers witnesses. And what is Merry Christmas to us today? And what are we looking forward to tonight when we celebrate in that potluck? I hope everyone comes and we can celebrate like good shepherds, right? And then, so I hope you all come. And then on Tuesday, when we actually celebrate the Christmas day, we are called to be Christmas witnesses in the world today. When we say Merry Christmas, when we wish someone Merry Christmas, it's not, oh, I believe in this, so, I just want you to know that's what I believe. It's, this is incredibly good news. This news changed the world. And now anybody can have access because of Jesus Christ to the living God. That's what Merry Christmas means. That's what we are called now. This is a word that we have been given. And we are Christmas witnesses to the world, world today. So let us joyfully celebrate. Jesus' birth. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Let's pray.